have a really deep and abiding respect for every faith tradition. And as a chaplain in healthcare, I have the privilege and the opportunity of meeting with people from every conceivable background that you can imagine. And I love it. I love the diversity, I love the conversation, I love the thought processes that enter into these conversations. Uh, my hairdresser here in Alameda, going on three years now, is Chinese Buddhist, and we have this ongoing conversation about her faith tradition and mine. The, the woman where I get my nails done, also <laughs> Buddhist, yes. I put the man in manicure. I'm not ashamed, but we talk. It's a conversation every time I go in. Uh, Catherine and I were talking about and swapping stories from graduate school and asking which courses we really enjoyed, and I thought this course that I took uh, was an introduction to Islam. And it was fascinating because the guy that taught the class had been a career missionary in Lebanon. And he just came to love the Lebanese, Lebanese people and uh, uh, the influence of Islam culturally and politically and religiously. And it was just fascinating. And a part of the, part of the assignment for the class was to spend time. We had to clock in hours with Muslim people. This was an opportunity to interact and ask questions and talk and have dialogue about the differences and the distinction of, of their faith and ours. And uh, we all know Jewish people, right? Uh, in our life, we have folks who are Jews that we talk with. And in, in terms of the monotheistic religions, I forgot Hinduism. I got into uh, an Uber not long ago, and uh, the, Ganesh, right? The elephant guy, God, was on the, on the dash. So it was a conversation piece, and I asked him, tell me, about this and how it directs your life and how it motivates you. Fascinating, right? But of the monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and they sort of evolved in that order, right? The symbolism is simple. Judaism has the Star of David. That's all you need, right? And it's very telling, the Jewish star. And uh, Christianity has the cross. It's so simple. This, this cross up here, it's unadorned. It's plain. And then, of course, uh, our Islamic friends have the crescent. And the, the other religious traditions, they have a lot of different things, a lot of symbols. Monotheism, it sort of became simple. The cross I want to talk about. These messages for February focus on the idea of ministry. And so I'm going to be kicking around 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. So if you're going to be here with us these uh, weeks of February, I would encourage you to just get out of your Bible and read 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Talk about what it is that makes ministry how is it distinct for uh, those who claim Christ? And as a beginning point, what is, what is the message of the cross 
And why is that such a big deal? I'm just going to take it. It has a base, and I'm just going to start it here with crystal. And just take it, you know, if you want to hold it. Because Paul wrote, and I love this verse, and I think it was probably the text I used for candidating here a few years back, and I know it was the text I used for candidating at the church in Chicago, and it might have been the candidating sermon I preached in Omaha. I'm not certain. The memory. Chapter 1 and verse 18 of 1 Corinthians is probably one of the most significant verses, right? We could say that about a lot of verses in Scripture. But listen, it says, For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, not the cross, but the message about the cross. The NIV says the message of the cross. It's what we say about it, how we make meaning out of it, that's important. And you heard the songs that we sang through, and there's so many songs, right, in our tradition. On a hill far away stood the old rugged cross, right? The emblem of suffering and shame. But I love that old cross for the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. There's something that's incredibly important about the cross, and spoiler alert, it is the means by which Jesus died, okay? That's why it's important. Jesus died not a natural death, but was executed on a Roman cross. And that event in history has become the single most defining thing about us as Christians. Think about it. They're in churches, these crosses. We wear them on necklaces. We see them everywhere. What's so important about the cross? The same message is foolishness to those who are perishing but to we who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, to begin with the obvious, right? Jesus didn't simply die. He was killed. He was executed. In a very specific way. Um, crucifixion was, for the Romans, a form of capital punishment. So the equivalent for us today would be the gas chamber or the electric chair. That's how we execute people. Behind closed doors, quietly, supposedly, humanely. But crucifixion was a very public form of execution, and it sent a message. 
this is what Rome does to those who challenge imperial authority. Something about Jesus and his life and his way of being in the world led to crucifixion. Something about who he was and what he stood for. And when, when you look at the cross, there's a couple different ways of looking at it. There's the, the theologically conservative, fundamentalist way of viewing the cross is Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins, right? Like God knew before I was born that I was going to take that Snickers bar without paying for it and that I was going to lie to my mother about it and God was very displeased with that and needed to be appeased and the means of appeasement was the death of Christ on the cross he took my sin he took my shame and for a lot of folks that's enough that's one of the fundamentals right Jesus died for your sins but others who are more progressive liberal intellectually inclined questioning and skeptical it's like so that's what God's like an angry father that needs to be pacified by the violent death of his son you know that that went over pretty well in Puritan times. They had a heyday with that, right? But what about us who live in a so-called enlightened society that really thinks about things? How do we make sense of it? It's interesting to note that the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each spend about half of their ink on the death of Jesus, right? Here's Jesus, he came on the scene, he proclaimed the kingdom, he gathered some disciples, he did some miracles, he showed us a compassionate way to live, and oh yeah, he got in trouble with the authorities, and he got killed. That was Rome's way of saying no to the compassionate kingdom of Jesus. Jesus, like John, his mentor, was in conflict with the powers. And it was each of the gospel writers, but specifically in Mark, it says after Jesus was, or after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. After John's imprisonment, Jesus began a public ministry that squarely confronted the power structure politically and religiously of Rome. Jesus was an insurrectionist. Jesus was challenging the status quo. He was presenting a kingdom of love and compassion that came into immediate contrast with the kingdom of Rome. You see, Jesus could have used different language. He could have talked about the family. He could have talked about the community. But he talked about the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God 
in the person of Jesus Christ had dawned and Jesus was bringing a message, right? Repent, believe the good news. Change. The way you're living is not sufficient. Jesus came to upset the apple cart, right? That's why he came into conflict with the Jewish authorities. That's why he came into conflict with the Roman authorities. And, and all of the gospel writers focus on this drama surrounding Jesus presenting a kingdom that was refused by his contemporaries, by the Jews, by the Romans, right? And the two great symbolic acts that all of the Gospels record. First is Palm Sunday. Everyone is in Jerusalem for the Passover, right? The population swells. It's like a massive thing is taking place. All of the pilgrims are here. And Jesus and his disciples stage this entrance into Jerusalem in a provocative way that confronts the authority. Here comes the king riding on a donkey. That's not what we expected. That's not what we had in mind. Jesus comes offering himself to the people. I have a way of life. Pay attention to this. And so liberal Christians say it's just about the life that Jesus lived. We need to pay attention to his life and not his death. But they've kind of got that wrong, right? Because the gospel writers talk so much about the death of Jesus as being important. But the question is why? Yes, he came presenting a way of life. The kingdom of God is at hand. Think about the prayer that we pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came offering us a way of living. And, and he came in a confrontational way on Palm Sunday. He could have just walked in with the rest of the crowd. He said, let's make a big deal. Let's put me on a donkey and have me ride in and have everybody praise me. Hosanna, uh, reenacting this message. From Psalm 118. And then the next day, as if that wasn't enough to get Rome's hackles up, the next day he goes into the temple and overturns the tables. The temple was there and they exchanged money. So if you didn't have the right currency to make the right offering or you wanted to buy a bird, partridge, or whatever you're going to offer, a dove... And Jesus upset that because they were making money. He said, you guys have got it all wrong. It's not about this. It's about that, right? You've turned the temple into a den of robbers. And so Jesus directly and knowingly confronted the Jewish and Roman authorities at the, at the biggest time of the year, when it would make the biggest splash in order to bring the kingdom. The kingdom comes, however, by his execution. Think about it. Jesus could have died another way, right? The story could have been different entirely. There could have been a plague in Palestine. And Jesus could have been out compassionately healing and contracted the virus and passed away. And God could have raised him from the dead, same effect. 
But by doing this confrontational, in-your-face, challenging the authorities, Jesus was executed. It was Rome's way of saying no to the kingdom that Jesus came to offer. And the resurrection that followed the crucifixion was God's way of saying yes to the kingdom that Jesus came to initiate. It was God's way of saying no to Rome's no. It was the ultimate validation. So the death of Jesus matters. The cross matters. Properly understood, the cross is the heart of Christianity, and it's fitting that it is our central symbol. Not only that Jesus died to pay for our sins, but that Jesus died in pursuit of a cause that God ultimately vindicated and said yes to. So when we read that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The kingdom of God demonstrated in the execution of Jesus on the cross, God's validation through resurrection gives us an identity as a people, we who are followers of Christ. So Paul says in the text, chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, verse 22, Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. Which means that our message, the message of the cross, our ministry, what we proclaim in the church is not like, you know, which way is the wind blowing? What's popular these days? What do people want to talk about? What are folks interested in? We need to be more relevant in the church, right? We need to package things in a way that people can understand. Paul says, no. We're not bought and sold. We're people of principle. We're people of conviction. And the message doesn't change with the times. Now how we talk about it, how we interact with people, all of that is fluid and in flux and open. Conversation, dialogue, I'm all about it. But we are people of the cross. That is our central identity. Why is that? Why is it important? Because the cross maximizes the message and it minimizes the messengers, the women and men who proclaim the message of the cross. Paul says in verse 26, Consider your own call. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. If you need an ego check, just stick with verse 26. You are not all that impressive. Think about it. 
there are people out there smarter than me, more wealthy than me, more powerful and influential with me. What Paul is saying is none of that is what it's about. That's not where it's at. Consider where you came from. In other words, you're just ordinary folk. People ask me about the church that I serve. Or, or sometimes in chaplaincy, I'll go and I'll, I'll be with someone and they'll be like, are you a real pastor? You know, meaning like, do you have a church? Do you serve a church? Yeah, I said, I serve a church. I serve a Baptist church in Alameda. I go, oh, what's that like? It's great. It's just sort of a collection of ordinary folks, you know, working class people. It's kind of diverse, young and old, people from different backgrounds. And it works. It's great. I love it. It's not about us. It's not about that we're the right kind of people, you know, that we're from a certain class. Christianity evolved from the working class, from the slave class, from the people that weren't all that much of anything in society. Not the rich and the noble and the influential. The church became that later on. Not a good thing, right? Imperial Christianity in Rome uh, or Europe, right? And came to America, and you know, we're getting back there. Church is just ordinary folks, and that's what's important to keep in mind because we're not intellectual or intelligent enough. Not many of you are C.S. Lewis, right? Yeah, not many of you have that sort of brain power. But what you have is a cross, the old rugged cross that defines who we are as a people and what we proclaim. The cross is such a simple symbol and a statement of what's important and what we value. Jesus chose the way of the cross. Jesus embraced it. I love the passages in the gospel where Jesus says to the disciples, look, I'm about to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and be raised from the dead. And the disciples are like, what? They didn't understand. They didn't understand until after the fact. That the message of the cross made sense to them. That the lights came on. That this is the express purpose of Jesus. To challenge the status quo. And to bring to life in this life. The kingdom of God. That's a mistake the conservatives have made. It's all about getting to heaven. Believe in Jesus. Repent of your sins. And you'll go to heaven. But you know what? Look, I'm 48 years old. I've probably got a few years before I get there. What do I do in the meantime, right? It's not all about punching my ticket to heaven. It's about living a certain kind of way, incarnating the life that Jesus lived. But his death is an important event, like the, the capstone of his life. 
So you can't err on one side or the other. It's all about the death of Jesus. Just believe that Jesus died for you and you're good. And it's not all about the life of Jesus. Just live like Jesus and try to be a better kind of person. You have to merge the two of those into the symbol of the cross. The death of Jesus matters. The cross matters more than anything defines who we are and what we're about. So I'm not ashamed of the old rugged cross. I'm not ashamed of the talk about death and blood and body because Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has given us a sense of purpose and meaning. Jesus' death meant he would go all the way. The resurrection is God's yes, God's approval that the life that Jesus offered, the kingdom of God, the message of the cross, is what transforms us, makes us unique as a people. That's why we believe it is the power of God. I want you to think about the cross, church. I want you to think about it in new and different ways than you've thought about it before. Maybe you felt like you've punched your ticket and you're all right. You're heaven bound and just chilling until that day comes. Maybe you've looked at the cross and eh, not sure about all that talk about blood and redemption and ransom. Maybe it's time you think about that. Think about the merging of God's mercy and justice in the death of Christ. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Father, we thank you for the cross, for what it means to us who believe, who trust in its purpose and intent and who see in it not just a symbol or a reminder but a way of life and living and it reminds us that Jesus merged so perfectly and beautifully the divine and human nature and brought the kingdom with all of its power, with all of its glory, with all of its supremacy and came to a point of sacrifice and we're the beneficiaries of that. We're citizens of that kingdom. We are revolutionaries in that army. Help us to be increasingly comfortable 
the message of the cross and what it stands for. In the name of Christ, our Savior who bore the cross. Amen.